Welcome to Mafia, a new podcast telling stories of America's criminal underworld. Gotti assumed the position of head of the Gambino family. And using the name Donnie Brasco, I was able to infiltrate the uh, Bonanno uh, crime family in New York City. Bugsy Siegel is an American mob legend. One man changed the whole texture and landscape of crime in America. Listen to Mafia every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. Welcome to Travel First with Chris Coleman and Alex First. A rival to Melbourne for the world's most livable city is what we will be talking about today on Travel First. My name's Alex First. With me, as usual, Chris Coleman. G'day, Chris. Greetings to you, Alex. I can give you another clue that will mean nothing to many people about this city other than to say it is one of my sister's favourite cities for to travel to. She has been there many a time. Well, and one of the most popular equine... Well, yeah, one of the most popular horses of, of recent years is a horse called Schnitzel. So is that... <laughs> Hang on, that's about the most obtuse clue I can give you. Oh, mate, you're on fire this afternoon. Are we advocating well, eating horse meat, are we? Oh, no, no, no. Vienna, of course, the Austrian <laughs> capital, the largest city thereof, a population of about one and three-quarter million people and 2.4 million if you extend that into the metropolitan area. That is really more than 20% of Austria's population. So we are talking about the grand, one of the grand cities of the world in Vienna. I, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. In fact, it is the birthplace of my father. Really? I had not visited before. And, in fact, he unfortunately passed away now just a few years ago. And we were going to go to Vienna together. And, unfortunately, he developed a case of the shingles, which is not nice at the best of times. No. As an adult and as an elderly adult, it was particularly unpleasant. We didn't get to experience it together, unfortunately. And uh, I, I, of course said that I would visit one day. I finally got there. I only did it for about three days. I wish I had done it for far, far longer because it is a brilliant place. I, you know, three or four days, nowhere near enough to explore just the beauty and the elegance. There's so much to see and do. We stayed at a... Now, this is this is probably the best name for a hotel I could imagine, and I mean that. I If, if you had to name a hotel, why would you not name it the Zeitgeist? Well, why not? I, I really like, I know some people are going to say what, but I mean I just I, I like the name it, it catches me and I, we stayed at the Zeitgeist two hundred and fifty four rooms six different categories from standard rooms through to suites and you can snare a single room because we were staying in winter for as little as seventy euros that's about oh, 120 bucks mm -hmm. uh, although it can more than double in price during the high season. So just be aware that it depends, of course, the time of the year that you travel. And if you want breakfast, you can add another twelve euros fifty, or about eighteen to twenty dollars on top of that. But it's still extremely affordable. Now you get free Wi-Fi, a sauna with a rooftop terrace, and a little gym. Also has a couple of conference rooms if you want to do that sort of thing. So they and really take their most livable thing right down to the nth degree at the hotels, don't they? They do, and right through the city. I mean, you can well understand why this has rivaled Melbourne. And it depends. I mean, there are a number of Obviously, it's a good way for somebody to make money to say you're the world's most livable city, depending upon the criteria that we use. And even though I have known that Melbourne has won that on countless occasions now, apparently 
a different body has listed Vienna as the winner on countless occasions. I'm not sure how many bodies judge this sort of thing, but there you go. And I'll bet the one that brings Vienna as number one in the world doesn't get any rating at all in Melbourne. I didn't actually inquire. I just I noticed and noted that yeah, Vienna had the same moniker, and that that confused me somewhat. And I just went on and enjoyed myself. That's basically it. Look, the butte parties. I reckon the zeitgeist is the best kept secret as far as Australians are concerned, because many Aussies won't yet know about it. That's why I'm saying something today. So it, it it's really good value for money. Rates extremely highly, by the way, on TripAdvisor if you want to Google zeitgeist. But by the way, best to book up to a week in advance if you want to assure yourself of uh, of accommodation there. We, we arrived late at night and we were hungry as, and we arrived via train. I, I mentioned to you on the last podcast that you really do need to hopefully travel by train through parts of Europe because it's a great way to go, really relaxing way to, way to get right in the heart of the city. And just bear in mind that on occasions there are more when when you want to sort of travel to a particular city, there may be even though you're saying oh, I want to go to Vienna, you, you, you there may be sort of bits of the city. It may not be depending on where you get off. You may not actually be where you need to be <laughs> according to where your hotel is. Just a, just a piece of advice: make sure you're aware of how close the train station is and whether there's a train station that's closer that you can go through to, rather than getting off and 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 then getting on again. That's just a piece of general advice, but. You know, Eurail is, I suppose, what I used to travel with when I was a kid, uh, travelling or, or a, a callow youth when I, I first sort of went to Europe. And it still is the way to go. Raileurope.com.au, that's how we, we got from Salzburg through to Vienna in the first place. So we were hungry as, and at the train station, we popped into an Italian restaurant, like a pizza and pasta type place. Now, the reason I mention this, and it really is, quite special. It's on the Central Railway Station concourse. Okay, so just ask for the Italian pasta and pizza restaurant and I'm sure somebody will guide you to where that is. Now, I, we ate there on a few occasions because I've never seen a bigger pizza in my life. I'm kidding you not. It doesn't fit on a plate, right? And the plates are big. And all these people are ordering these pizzas, great pastas as well, I might say, but on occasions we tried the pizza, then other occasions we tried the pasta. I actually had to take a photograph of it because I didn't believe it was that big. You know, you have a reputation in America for having big meals. I defy anybody to have a, you know, this is, this is I'm not sure what they call this, but I didn't think they super, called it a supersized pizza, but I assure you it was. And I reckon most people would struggle as an individual to get through that. So, so you caught the train into Vienna and you rolled out of Vienna under your own accord? Yeah, basically, I, I sort of I, I felt like I'd gained a few kilos before I left the railway station. It was it was an experience, but it was really good. They, they were terrific to us, and we got to we got to know the chefs, and we got to know the the, the attendants, the the people who looked after us. I, I just thought it was great. So it's a good. It became a, a kind of like an eatery away from home, if you if you want to put it in that those terms. Anyway, our first wow moment was glancing the beautiful architecture that is apparent throughout Vienna, but in particular the Vienna State Opera Building. Oh, wow, just gorgeous. And we did a lot of this by foot because initially we sort of walked into the centre of the city and began sort of sightseeing. And it's look, it's a great way to see any city. Either you do the hop-on-hop-off bus, which is 
also terrific and you, you don't have to travel there under your own steam. You can go around and then you can go back and visit places. Initially, though, we did it this way. We simply walked. So we went past the Vienna State Opera Building. That was the first thing that we saw. Next stop was the capital's best-known landmark, which is St Stephen's Cathedral. Now, scaffolding on the outside spoiled its overall appearance, but it was still a most impressive edifice, extremely ornate and imposing both outside and in. So that's St. Stephen's Cathedral, and we sort of walked past and then then we walked walked inside and uh, had a look around. Now, we then stopped at the Johann Strauss Monument. Uh, so the Johann Strauss Monument, again, you know, you're talking about some of the great artists. We talked about Mozart in our last podcast when we were talking about Salzburg. Well, Okay, so Johann Strauss here, and we we finished the day because we didn't have much of the day to to do things at the concert house. So I mean, these are just some of the things that I would encourage you to sort of visit when you when you go to Vienna, as I hope at some point you will you will certainly do so. Now, I also uh, I, I should say to you that we spent a, we spent actually two nights in. The, the one hotel, which I've already spoken about, and then we moved from the Zeitgeist to the Motel One Wien Stutzopper. I'm presuming I've pronounced that vaguely correctly. I'm not going anywhere near that, by the way. You, you're on your own here. Very good. Very kind of you. The Motel One Wien Stutzopper in the centre of the city. So one was probably a couple of couple of k's out of the city, and uh, which was very close to the train station, and it was very convenient because when you arrive late at night, the last thing you want to do is to travel a great distance to get to where you need to get to. Anyway, part of the, the Wien Stutzopper is part of a 55-strong German-owned hotel chain, only opened on November the 11th, 2014. So it's uh, it's very, very, well, well, fresh. It's got 400 rooms, including three in V. Now, they've got three of these. This was the German-owned hotel chain. Uh, it's got three hotels in Vienna, with another due to open later this year. So that was the, the Motel 1 Wien Stutzhopper. And... It's got really wide corridors, very, very comfortable beds, a really nice touch, is the moment you step into the rooms, the television set goes on, displaying this nice faux crackling fire, complete with sound effects, Chris. (laughs) I had never experienced that before. I thought that was amazing. I mean, bear in mind it's midwinter here, right? So, you know, you you walk in there and... and (laughs) Effects in all, you've got this this um, large screen TV fire. I'm cool. going to take a guess at what brand television it was, because guess what you can do with my big TV at home? Is that right? You can actually turn it on as a screensaver. You can have a have a, a crackling fire on on certain Sony televisions. Ah, I, I'm afraid I cannot tell you whether it was a Sony or not. Let's presume it was. Let's presume it was and give the, give Sony a wrap. It looks well, great on a 70 inch screen, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to say you and your one-upmanship. I've only got a 16 screen on mine, and mine mine was the the last pioneers that one European television of the year. That's why I bought it. I am a Sony man myself. Everything else in my home is a Sony, and at that time, this. But I, I'm I'm not trying to belittle Sony, but it rated more highly. And I spoke to a number of newspaper writers of IT. They all recommended the the television that I have, the Pioneer. And then, of course, Pioneer got out of television, so now we can buy Sony's again. There you go. Thank you. Now, the hotel, this one that I've been speaking about, the Motel 1 Wien Stutzopper, 
caters mainly to business travelers during the week and to leisure travelers on the weekends. I reckon that's a great way to go because they obviously get it all this way, that they, they don't favor one over the other, but they recognize that it's the weekend traveler who will come into the city you know, to, to see it you know, from another European capital potentially on the weekend. By the way, a single room costs from 81 to 91 euros. So we're, we're talking a top rate of about 150 Australian dollars. That includes a, a city tax of 3.2%. Uh, so, yeah, that's not bad. So, somewhere between 150, 160 Australian dollars. That's a single and a double. Oh, you, you can you can get a double for under 200 Australian dollars. So that, that's pretty good. And you can add 15 bucks for brekkie. And you just need to be aware on occasions a surcharge might apply, apply that, perhaps on some public holidays, for instance. But best place to check that out, go to www.motel-1.com, www.motel-1.com. In any event, it's right in the heart of the city, easy access to all the main tourist attractions, extremely comfortable and new. So well worth checking out the hotel, motel rather, one Veen Stutzopper. We had brekkie there and then we walked to the Opera House and that's when we caught the hop-on, hop-off bus, Vienna sightseeing, undoubtedly the very best way to get a quick fix on a new city, as I've said before. And Vienna sightseeing operates four different routes, 37 stops throughout Vienna and its surrounds. One circuit, oh, it takes about... Uh, an hour on three of the routes and an hour and 40 minutes on the other. So if you were to do all of them, uh, you, you could basically very easily spend a day just travelling around on a bus. Uh, and then you'd need to go back and stop off and, and, and take your time to see them inside and out, so to speak. Each tour, of course, gives you free audio. Uh, so you've got an audio guide. So you can best place to book, by the way, www.viennasightseeing.at. Hey, so, on that bus, Alex, when, when you say there's an audio guide, and I know that some, uh, depending on where you go, and each one around the world has a different thing, but do, do they have, is it on headphones? Is it a, a, yeah, over speaker? What, what do you get? It's on headphones. Right. It's on headphones. And in fact, from recollection, I used my, the, the headphones that came with my iPhone, and that worked as well. But they give you the headphones if you need them. So, um, and most people rely upon that. So just go to www.viennasightseeing.at. Costs, um, by the way, in terms of bookings, etc., it's, it's, it's again very reasonable, about 10 bucks for kids and about $23 for adults, which is, you know, again, a great way to see the city for not a great deal of money. The, I should say that Vienna Sightseeing was founded in 1972 and operates lots of extended tours throughout Austria and further afield. So they do the city tours, but they also do other touring if you are interested in going out to the countryside, etc. We actually did a couple of city tours with them, found them most worthwhile and informative, and you do get to see a lot in a couple of hours. I must admit, I felt that that's probably, I reckon if you do a couple of them and then you go out and you walk around a little bit rather than becoming a almost the equivalent of a couch potato and sitting on the bus hour after hour. <laughs> but uh, that'll be that'll be each and every other individual's call. Now, early the afternoon, in that, that afternoon, we stepped off the bus at the Schönbrunn Palace. And once again, you can go to viennasightseeing.at. Now, at the end of the 17th century, Emperor Leopold I commissioned a, well, a Baroque architect, a very gifted Baroque architect at that, to build a palatial hunting lodge for the heir to the throne. Half a century later, it took him a while, 
Schönbrunn Palace became the magnificent focus of court life. From that time onwards, it played host to the leading statesmen of Europe. And it's the architecture and decor of the staterooms that really distinguish it. Now, get this. The 1441-room Rococo Palace is one of the most important architectural, cultural and historical monuments in the country. Is that like the Sydney Harbour Bridge where, you know, the cleaners would start at one end and by the time they get to the other, they'd have to go back to the beginning? Yeah, well, I think you'd need more than one or two cleaners. How many how many rooms do you have in your home, Chris? How many uh, bedrooms? I have three. Okay, so three bedrooms. Then you've got your lounge. Then you've got your kitchen, maybe a family room. Uh, yes. So we're up to six. Yeah. Right, so... Chris's house has got six rooms. This you could multiply. So 100 times gets you to 600. 200 times gets you to 1,200. Yeah, okay. I'm glad you're on the maths, yeah. Yeah, yeah very good. So it, it, 230 times the size of Chris's home is the Rococo Palace in Vienna, right? Incredible. Absol the Habsburgs owned it. And, and the palace passed in from them into the ownership of the Republic of Austria at the end of the monarchy in 1918. Well, I reckon I'd like to own a 1,441-room Rococo Palace as well. Why not? And we took an hour-long audio tour known as the Grand Tour. Look, it left me in raptures. Uh, that's the only way I can put it. I, we learned all about Emperor Fran Fran Francis Joseph I, who reigned from the age of 18 for 68 years, which is not a mean feat, until he died in 1916, and about the fate of his beloved wife, Elizabeth, or Sissy, as she was affectionately known, whom he married when she was just 16 years of age. Right? So married her at 16, and we learned about Emperor Francis Joseph I and Sissy and about their children. The tour, by the way, this gives you an idea, right? 1,441 rooms that we had to explore. We had an hour. Now, do you know how many rooms we got through in an hour, Chris? Uh, a dozen. We actually got through 40. I thought that was... So you were moving. Yeah, we really were. And I would have liked to go back and do more because it, it, it took in 40 rooms. It was really terrific. And my undoubted highlight was the grand ballroom. Uh, wow. And, by the way, we then spent another hour inside the carriage room. And that showcases the carriages and the robes and the uniforms. Well, so, what else are you going to have in the carriage room, really? Exactly. And the 19th and the early 20th centuries. To say some are grand is a monumental understatement, especially when it comes to the remarkable, gobsmacking gold brilliance of the imperial coach. So when you guys, I use the term generic, generically, when you go to Schönbrunn Palace, when you go to the Rococo Palace, I want you to go and have a look inside specifically the carriage museum and look at the imperial coach you know how gold what's the story that gold enchants somebody so that you can't take your eyes off us mm -hmm. well i can understand why that was said the park at schoenbrunn palace by the way was open to the public around 1779 and we're not just talking i mean this is inside an estate right so it's 1.2 kilometres from east to west and one kilometre from north to south. It's a, you know, it's a decent piece of lawn, shall we say. And along with the palace... Is it, is it nicely mowed? It is nicely mowed, yeah. It's very, very... It's beautiful. And along with the palace, it was put on the UNESCO list of World Heritage Sites in 1996. Now, there you go. I mean, it's that, that was, to me, that was one of the best 
sort of moments of our trip. I, I just oh, mesmerizing. By the way, according to uh, I, I looked at tradingeconomics.com, the um, the population in Austria was last recorded as eight and a half million people in the year 2013. Okay, so that that's the whole of Austria, not just Vienna. And I can now say to you that Mercer named Vienna as the most livable city in 2000 and I think that was 14, which is the fifth year in the row that had, it had done so. And I'm sure that Melbourne was named most livable city on a number of occasions during those five years. Yeah, but, but I anyway. bet Melbourne only paid attention to Mercer in the years Melbourne was ranked number one. No, no, but I'm saying it was. Probably, I think it was a different, different authority that. Ah, uh, okay. yeah. I, I, I'll stand corrected, but I believe that to be the case. By the way, half of Vienna's total area is accounted for by parks and gardens, woods, and agricultural land. So it's sort of the city covers uh, just over 400 square kilometres. Yeah, it's it's quite large, divided into 23 districts. Vienna was first mentioned, by the way, in documents in the year 1137. And from 1278, it was where the Habsburgs reigned for more than six centuries. So a, a great way, by the way, to get around Vienna, and you can do this in a number of cities in Europe, is by purchasing a 72-hour or three-day Vienna card, right? You can get cards for various cities that give you free entry and discounts to various attractions. Now, the Vienna card costs... Uh, well, twenty-one euro ninety. What's that? A little, a, a little more than thirty dollars. Unlimited travel on public transport. Discount entries to many tourist attractions for that that time. And we were only there, as I say, for a few days, so that was the perfect tonic for us. And the year two thousand and fifteen was the hundred and fiftieth anniversary of what's called the Ringstraße. And in eighteen fifty-seven, Emperor Franz Joseph ordered the fortifications surrounding. Vienna city centre to be demolished and for a boulevard complete with showpiece buildings to be constructed on the grounds in front of the old walls and towers that had previously been used by the military. The biggest public construction project in Vienna's history, the Ringstraße, was actually a link between the city centre and the surrounding districts. And you've got beautiful buildings in it and really oh, just gorgeous, absolutely. It's almost a circular boulevard, which is sort of five kilometres long, lined with double rows of trees and monumental public edifices, these grand city residences, private apartment buildings, squares and parks. So it's it's just great. Look out for it, the Ringstraße. That's the best way I can sort of point you to. It's. I mean, if you walked around it, it would take you uh, to stop and, and, and take everything in. It would take you a day. Uh, it really, it, it's it, there's so much to see and do, and maybe even longer than that, especially if you're doing it in a leisurely sort of fashion. So we we did we walked around. We didn't do the whole five kilometres, but we did bits and pieces of it. And uh, then we, at, that night we ate dinner at a restaurant which specialises in making Wiener Schnitzel. I was going to say, if it's large pizza again, you're missing out on something. I reckon so. So it's called now. I my pronunciation. I, I apologise, folks, but the Placutus Gasthaus zur Oper. Placutus Gasthaus zur Opera in the heart of Vienna. In fact, it's one of six different restaurants in Vienna under the Placutus moniker. And Placutus, for those people who would care to know, is spelt P-L-A-C-H-U-T-T-A-S. P-L-A-C-H-U-T-T-A-S. Been operating for, 
well, when we went, which was a, a year and a half ago, for three and a half years, so by now five years, seats about 135 inside, 150 outside during the warmer months. And apart from a very, very tender Wiener schnitzel, which my wife loved, I ate veal, by the way, with potatoes, which also tasted great, many other examples of fine Viennese cooking can be found in this particular place, the Plachutus Gasthaus zur Oper. And, I mean, among the... Uh, to give you some idea... Uh, there's a number of rolling specials that change each month. And among the dessert specialties is something called Kaiser Schmarrn. Have you ever heard of Kaiser Schmarrn? I've never heard of Kaiser Schmarrn. Well, it's a thick pancake with plums, raisins and icing sugar. Okay, so it's about 15 bucks Australian. Sounds uh, like a good deal and a good meal. It's a bit, Yeah, absolutely. So that that's one of the specialties that you can try uh, by the way, in terms of cost, Wiener schnitzel with potato salad costs about $30. That's all right. right. Best it, to book up. If it's, if it's juicy and tender oh, and big, then, yeah, that's, that's that's a good deal. Yeah, and look, best to book up to a week in advance. They're that popular. The Bachlachutis Gasthaus Zur Oper or another five restaurants in Vienna under that particular Plachutis moniker. And you can access all of this stuff via the... Their website, their website, which is www.plachuta.at, which at, I presume, is the suffix for Austria. I think you're right. Then, I, we, I, I then the, the following morning, we stored our bags and set off to explore more of Vienna by foot. And as I say, it's a city takes your breath away due to its magnificent palaces and buildings and monuments, its devotion to the fine arts in particular, and we spent a good hour or so inside the Leopold Museum, which boasts hundreds of masterworks of Austrian modern art collected by passionate art lover Dr. Rudolf Leopold, hence the Leopold Museum name. And the museum is this unique treasure trove of Viennese Art Nouveau, the Viennese workshop and of the Expressionist period. And as the most visited museum in the museum's quartier, which I remember that term, I've used it before, in the museum's quarter. It houses the largest Egon Schiller collection in the world, along with masterpieces by the founder of the Vienna succession movement, Gustav Klimt. And hopefully a lot of, a lot of listeners will have heard of Gustav Klimt and Egon Schiller. And next we were overwhelmed by the beauty of the Parliament building. I mean, that really is stunning. Then we took a tram to the Belvedere Museum and explored the, the artwork there along with the stately rooms and gardens. Now, the Belvedere has two magnificent palaces built in the 18th century as the summer residence for the important general Prince Eugene of Savoy, who lived from 1663 to 1745. These palaces are considered to be the, the world's, among the world's finest Baroque landmarks. First stop and was the Upper Belvedere, which houses, I said this was the Belvedere Museum, so the Upper Belvedere houses modern and medieval art on the ground floor, expressionist paintings and works by Gustav Klimt and masterpieces by Schiller, among others, on the first floor, and Baroque and early 19th century art, an outstanding collection of Biedermeyer paintings, together with more on the second floor. So that was the Upper Belvedere, and so it is that it also houses the greatest collection of Austrian art dating from the Middle Ages to the present day. And then you walk several hundred metres 
down to the lower Belvedere. As you gaze... So, so you go down to the lower Belvedere. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, okay. wanted to, I, get I that. wanted to confuse you. I, and so you go up to the lower, but I, I'm not going to do no, that. No, I, I, I'm not like that. And as you gaze back in awe at the beauty of the upper Belvedere while you're going down to the lower Belvedere, and you take in the surrounds, the garden, again, beautiful, and the many marble statues that punctuate the stroll, simply remarkable. And I'm not kidding. Uh, Prince Eugene's opulent living quarters and staterooms in the lower Belvedere are, again, something special, really so. With the Golden Room, my particular fancy, gives you an insight into Baroque interior design. And you also get to see temporary exhibits, in our case, Claude Monet's and uh, the Viennese Artist Association, Hagenbund, that, that was there while we were visiting. Just Vienna really is a very special city. I mean, it, it deserves its reputation as rivalling a number of Australian cities. I shouldn't just sort of harp on Australia as being extremely livable, if not the most livable. But according to Mercer, it is. It, its architecture, the musical and artistic treasures are remarkable. Your head, your head is in a constant merry-go-round because you, you crane to see one thing after another the moment that you enter the city centre. It's all draw-dropping, draw, what am I trying to say? Jaw-dropping. Draw, thank you. Jaw-droppingly spectacular is what I was trying to say. And But you've got to give yourself more time than we did. I mean, two or three days is just not enough to experience Vienna because other, I mean, you just barely touch the surface. And especially, as I say, if you look at the Ringstraße and you, you want to walk around that, you know, you can basically allow a day for that and a day for this and a day for that. And before you know it, you're up to a week. I reckon you need to spend that much time because otherwise, you know, you, 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 well, you just have to go back a second and a third time. Maybe, maybe that's a good thing. But again, I, I'm not somebody who Googles before I go to a place. Some, my wife does, I don't. I prefer to see it and experience it for the first time. In hindsight, Perhaps, perhaps that would have given us a list of things that we could definitely have fitted in rather than hoping that we could fit it all in because it was just impossible to see everything that there is to see, not just in Vienna, but I suppose in other cities. Are you an advocate of doing one or the other? Do you like to check everything out first and then plan your trip down to the nth degree or do you like sort of the randomness of, of arriving at a place and, and then determining that? For, for mine, it depends on how much time you've got. If you're going to be spending three or four days in a city, I think you're doing a bit of research beforehand to get an idea as to where to go is not as important if you're going to spend, if you're only there for, say, 48 hours. If yeah. you're there for a day, you, know, you arrive, you're there for a day, a night, and, and a day before you move on, you've got to maximise that time. So yeah, I'm a big one for doing a bit of research in those circumstances. But, again, some places we've got it planned down almost to the minute. Some places we have allowed out where we're going to allow ourselves just to wander and see what happens. Understand. Well, look, that's Vienna, folks. Please. I have questions before you go, Alex. Yes. Don't run away from no, me. I will not do that. Go for it, Chris. When you are walking the streets of Vienna, do you feel like you're in a literary city? Yes, yeah, because my, my favourite author, well, one of my favourite authors, is John Irving, the man who wrote The World According to Garp, The Hotel New Hampshire, uh, The Cider House Rules, amongst others. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and it only dawned on me about halfway through uh, your review, you start talking about things that, that he has actually written about in the city of Vienna because he lived there for a number of years and he, he writes a lot about Vienna in, in a lot of his books. 
and I just wondered whether you really get that feel that you're, you're in a storybook city, and it sounds like you are. Yeah, look, it's the cultural the, the cultural epicentre in many respects of, of a lot of Europe. There's just so much. It's steeped in culture. It's steeped in history. It's steeped in music. All of, all of the things that are grand. And, I mean, it's interesting. When my parents arrived in Australia, and it was just after the Second World War, they they've come from some of the most cultured places in the world and they arrived here in Melbourne and in terms of what they were used to compared to what was out here, you, you can imagine the, the cultural differences. And one of the great delights that they took with Melbourne is, you know, while over the, over the sort of 50 or so years, they really experienced bits and pieces, if you like, of European culture imbuing itself in Australia as well as our own so that they were able to go to the opera, they were able to go to the ballet, they were able to go and see plays, etc., etc. So a lot of those cultural sensitivities that you're talking about have now transposed themselves. I mean, you know, we talk on our other podcast, which is Movies First, about shows. And now most of the big shows that especially the, the English language ones that, that appear, whether they be in London or, or America, at some point or another, often sooner rather than later, appear in Australia. And I think that that's the other thing. If I had a bit more time, I would love to go to the Opera House and, and I'd love to go to places like that and see, even though I might not understand the language because obviously they speak German, well, they speak English as well, but German is the mother tongue. So in terms of experiencing that and, and just sort of sitting back, I, I suppose it would have allowed me to have some sense of what my parents went through before they came out to this country. And I think that it means a lot more to me because of where my parents came from. Mum was uh, mum was from Hungary, from Budapest, and we'll, we'll talk about that as well in, in coming days. But, um, and Dad was from Austria. So I, I think that if you get, if you have got, wherever your, your heritage is from, I suppose when you're visiting a city and, and you're looking back at your family tree, Perhaps that adds another layer, but you can still appreciate a city regardless. I mean, you know, I think if I hadn't had parents who'd come from Europe, I still would have loved Europe. I, I think there's just so much to offer. And the fact that within an hour you can be in another city, and sorry, another country, when, you know, I, I travelled the other day and I spent five hours on a plane travelling from Melbourne to far north Queensland. Well, you know, how many countries could you skip through if you're on a plane in, in Europe? Uh, in in that time, you fourteen. Know, yeah, yes, I was going to say a large number, <laughs> a large number. I mean, you, you could be halfway to the Middle East or more than halfway from Europe. So you know, that's the beauty of the place. I I would highly recommend. I mean, the beaut part is this trip took us to well many many of the world's greatest cities, and Vienna would be foremost amongst them. Excellent stuff. We will continue on Travel First, Episode 9, Alex's journey around Europe. In the meantime, Alex, always a pleasure to learn about to travel with you. And with speaking with you is always a delight, and we'll do it all again in seven days. And You've been listening to Travel First. For more, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to the full podcast at Audioboom, Stitcher and iTunes or your favourite podcast distributor. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. From Audioboom comes Covert, a new podcast that delves into the murky world of spies 
Americans, soldiers, and top-secret military operations. I'm Jamie Rennell, and together we'll discover the real stories of history's greatest classified missions, told by the operatives, soldiers, and journalists who experienced it firsthand. Follow Covert on Spotify, or subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows.